Awesome possum. <laughs> I know the Father loves the incense of the prayers of the saints because I'm experiencing a measure of what he's experiencing of that incense and it is intoxicating and delicious. So thank you for praying. Delicious prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Fresh glory head to toes through all your flesh. Fresh divine dialysis through all your blood from the blood of the Lamb, crystal clear and sparkling. Bless all your hearts, bone, marrow, blood cell, bone cell, red cell, white cell, every single cell, head to toes, with the glory of Jesus Christ, flesh and blood. Flesh glory. Yeah. Flesh glory. It gets real when you get into the glory of the flesh of Jesus. It's called uh, taking back what he stole from you. That's where you need the slape agape. Go ahead, have a drink of the delicious blood of the lamb. It's amazing what he does when we are weak, he is strong. So you're only growing in weakness. Yeah. Wow, isn't that interesting? As you mature, you only grow in weakness. The weaker you are, the stronger he is. Come on, Jesus. Biggest weaklings in the entire world, Joel's army. Wussy boys. <laughs> That's drunk. Because then he gives you the strong drink. Love you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Ghost. Welcome, everybody. It is good to be here. There's nowhere else I'd rather be than here in the glory. Thank you, Father, for preparing hearts to receive the Word of God. We want the Word of God like a river. Any blockages from God's Word? What does Psalm say? Your Word is honey on my lips. What the heck? You ever tasted the deliciousness of the Word of God? The Word of His grace that's able to give you the inheritance of heaven on earth. Truly as you grow, you glow. And you grow in the Word and you grow in honey, sweetness. What's the opposite? Bitterness. What's the star that fell from heaven? Wormwood. Translated bitterness. So the very fall is bitter. 
Fallen blood is bitter. Sweat of your brow is bitter. Enslavement to sin is bitter. Sadness, sorrow. Everything of the natural realm, apart from the glory realm, is bitter. The fallen world is bitter. Jesus gave us a resurrected world by his spirit and by his word that is sweet. It is the only sweetness in the world. He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the honey of the earth. <laughs> How much honey does it take to remove bitterness from the nations? You need to see it as every molecule. See it as every atom infused with sweetness. You ever get a drink at Starbucks or some coffee shop? It's so sweet that it just overwhelms your senses. I don't like sweet stuff. You'll like sweet honey of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Remember, it's about His sweetness transforming you into something so delicious to the five natural senses that everyone will want to join you in heaven. How delicious are you? God's challenging his sons and daughters to become delectable, to become the greatest scent and smell of the nations. What is the anointing oil? It's a fragrance. The fragrance of Christ. What is the showbread of the temple? It is a food that you eat, meant to be delicious. What is the strong meat for the mature? It's meant to be delectable A5 grade Wagyu steak. Strong meat. Best meat. All relating to food, all relating to your tongue, and to your mouth and to your natural senses to taste and see that the Lord is good. Open your mouth and I will fill it, declares the Lord. And so those realms of heaven are made flesh. The Word made flesh, the Spirit made flesh, the Spirit mixing with your blood. All the kingdom of heaven becomes the temple of your body. How? Your Spirit mixing with your heart. And your heart pumping out the record of those words, those words of honey, to sweeten the earth. You have heard of the salt of the earth. God is now releasing the honey of the earth. Becoming delicious. Religion is not delicious, is it? No. People want to stay away from it. People actually practice religion thinking suffering is holiness. <laughs> They'll actually get into some masochism and think by beating themselves up and denying themselves pleasure that in some way that pleases God. Show me one verse in scripture that says denying divine pleasure is godliness. The realm of heaven and your promised land is called the Garden of Eden. Eden is the Hebrew word for pleasure. What is it pleasuring? Not spirit only. Your five senses. True maturity is when you've taken things out of the spirit into the blood, into the natural, and begin conquering 
the five kings. Remember, Abraham didn't have any promises, didn't have any rewards until he'd conquered the five kings. Genesis 14, Abraham he loses his brother, his cousin or something to all these wicked kings and he has to go to war. He takes 300 plus men and he goes and gets all of his stuff back and then he kills the kings, gets Lot back, and only after he killed his five kings does he meet with the priest of the Most High God. This is the conquering of your five natural senses. You understand that the five kings are your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your ears, and your touch senses, your five gates of your natural body. And so religion says, kill, pre-covenant, before meeting with God, deny your five senses, kill your five senses, mortify your flesh. But do you just leave it there in that state? And then just try to beat yourself up your whole life by being good and obeying rules and regulations. When God says that heaven is a feast prepared for you, a marriage supper of the Lamb, it's truly an indulgence into the divine. We drink the cup of the new covenant in little tiny cups and it's the furthest thing from the feast that God has prepared for us. We take communion and it's in these little tiny grape juice cups as if that represents heaven at all. It doesn't whatsoever. If you want to practice communion, you need to practice feasting. Feasting huge cups, huge amounts of drinking and huge amounts of eating, then your natural symbolism of communion would be accurate. The little wafer and the little wine, it's totally demonic understanding of what Jesus has prepared for you. And so Christians are full of poverty spirits and full of religious spirits because we haven't understood God's nature of indulgence of feasting. Remember all the Jewish feasts? There's a Jewish feast every other weekend. To this day, Judaism has the most holidays of any religion in the world. It's continuous. It's like, how do you get so much time off for work? It's a practicing of celebration. It's a practicing of feasting. And it's a type and shadow of, of heaven where it's continuous celebration, continuous indulgence, of your spiritual senses and later on after your spiritual senses are exercised your natural senses get exercised in what your spirit has been feasting on on the Word of God and it'll completely transform and transfigure you amen <laughs> teach us how to feast Lord teach us how to become delicious only in becoming delicious literally the thing that everyone would want in their mouth in their eyes in their ears more than anything else is what the accurate representation of the invisible God is if people aren't desiring what you're giving is because you're not representing him accurately you know it's true what does the Bible say Jesus Christ is the desire of the nations how desirable are you and I to the nations? I tell you what, God's challenging me in this. He says, I am the most delicious dish you could eat. 
three Michelin star restaurant of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to get a grid for it. He is the most expensive and delicious perfume. He is the most expensive and delicious food. Do you understand the Bible talks about the bread, the meat, the feasting everywhere? Do you recognize how the religious spirit has separated your senses from your Christianity and that's the work of the devil in your lives? As if the spiritual increases would just leave behind the natural increases. Do you understand that's the purest form of satanic oppression? That is being the Israelites in bondage to Egypt. That's having God only on the inside, but nothing on the outside. And the outside, we're still building bricks. <laughs> Do you understand? That's where most Christians are at right now in the world. That they have Jesus on the inside and a measure of the comforter. What's going on in the outside? Killing? Stealing? Destroying? What's going on on your outside? Look around your temple and see accurately how much of heaven you can bring through the heart the blood of the earth do you realize god has given you a heart to bring things out of the spirit into the natural he's the savior where is he he's in your spirit if you are going to help others he has to get through the blood in your heart. Otherwise, it's just religion, people. How can you help people? You have to invade their gates. How did you get saved? The Word invaded the gate of your eardrum, entered into your mind, then entered into your spirit, and you are saved by faith in believing the Word that you heard. Amen. And if you want to grow in salvation, you keep hearing the words of God. And you keep letting them penetrate your mind and your heart and your spirit every day. It's called keeping the feast. How do you practice the presence of God? You always feed your spirit. And as your spirit is constantly built up, guess what? The temple of the Holy Spirit's in full operation. Do you realize that it was the external part of the Ark of the Covenant that was carried into the enemy's camp? And there was so much internal glory that when they brought it, the Ark places the external glory parted the Jordan River. Priests carried the, the Ark of the Covenant into the Jordan and the external realm bowed to the glory realm that was inside, unseen, invisible, inside the ark. And that represents the inside of your flesh right now. But do we have the external part of the flesh, the external part of the ark working? Mostly not. God's not mad about this. He's correcting it to fix it because he loves you and he wants you to have the highest quality of life on earth. The goodness of God cannot be buried within. Let your light shine so that everyone can see. <laughs> I mean, it has to penetrate their eyeballs. It has to be beautiful in my eyes. You're not going to penetrate people's eyes with ugly religion. Ugly Jesus is not the Savior of the world. He's beautiful. You know the verse. He is beautiful. 
He is desirable. He is fragrant. And Jesus is the most delicious man. He is delicious. Amen. Everything he does completely fries the natural senses. Amen. The angels experience it in their spiritual senses. Everyone wants to be around the throne because it's the greatest pleasure and ecstasy. <laughs> so the deception that we have of snakes, which represent lies, literal serpents, offspring of serpents, the multiplication of lies, the multiplication of serpents that have spread and clogged up our gates. They've clogged up our mouth. Where do they sit? They sit in the gate. They sit in the eyes. They sit in the ears. Ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing. Why can't they ever perceive the spirit and repent? Because there are snakes in the gates. <laughs> Hello? How do you get them out? Fire. And you know what? Fire isn't this super radical militant nuclear bomb. In lesser levels of maturity, that's how we represented it because that's how we were experiencing it because that was our level of ability in the fire as lesser mature priests. But there is a refinement in the fire to please the gates, please the eyes, please the mouth, please the nose, please the ears, please the feelings in your hearts. To represent the Father in his accurate deliciousness. To be truly what is most desired by everyone everywhere. And that's something we really haven't got into. It's mostly like, you know, worship in front of buildings, making political statements, and all kind of participating in the human behavior and not really accurately depicting the father on the throne and you know there's grace for that because there's grace for growth it's not like what you do if it's unpleasing and perfect lightning bolts come out of heaven and just strike you down then no christian would ever grow because you only grow through failure do you realize that you only grow by ever increasing weakness not strength weakness more of you, less of me. I must decrease, he must increase. Every single thing of growth in the Bible, Paul's progression from least of the saints to least of the apostles to the worst of all sinners as he writes epistles over 20, 30 years. And that progression of growing in weakness is your progression in literally bringing his deliciousness through your entire crucified self-nature. <laughs> Without any of you muddying the water without any of us tainting the smell tainting the taste messing up the words so it doesn't sound as perfect messing up the visualization so people don't want to look upon it messing up the feeling of it so people don't want it to enter their heart and change their feelings so that they feel intoxicatingly delicious and good all the time because of the words they've heard from someone that just got completely weak. Therefore, he was strong. These are the realms we will now grow into much more accurately displaying our invisible Father. Don't you want to do it? Amen. And so you can see the religious blockages where we thought excellence was something where it's actually tasting the best in someone's mouth 
where we thought growing and maturing was this one thing, whatever you know, idol we had in our mind about what God should be to people and how we should reach them in our own ability. And then the Father actually just weakens that area of our own pride and our own lusts and our own ideas and He gets stronger and He actually begins to accurately come forth through us in fire. So the animal as it begins to char and burn comes into levels of weakness where there's points of no return. Can I allow every part of my flesh and bones and every area of strength, everything that I use to sustain myself in the realm of the natural, be incinerated so I'm utterly hopeless and the weakest person in the world? And unless this invisible God sustains me, I have no strength. That's Christian maturity. Where you are nothing and he is everything all the time. I don't have an opinion. Doesn't matter what happens in the realm of the natural, the fire is my opinion. And what the fire is feeling is the only thing I feel, no matter what the devil's doing in the natural realm. That's called being accurate and displaying the Father accurately. We need to be more accurate. You only get accurate by becoming weaker and burning and charring the animal. Listen, there are levels of the fire and the heat that will come now that will incinerate the animal where your flesh becomes invisible like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve didn't know they had bodies until they came out of the glory. That's not far off for some leaders in the world now where you are completely unaware of your physical nature, of your flesh and blood nature of your own brain of your own ego of your own self that that is a non-existent thing and literally it's not just the denying of of all that stuff by discipline it's the the intensity of the fire on the altar of the seven spirits of god alone remaining jesus christ said the spirit of the lord is upon me that's all he had his eyes on he was just looking at the seven spirits of god god's sevenfold holy spirit And he followed the seven spirits of God. He followed the menorah. He followed the pillar by night and the cloud by day of full possession of the Holy Ghost on earth. And that's what led him everywhere he went. And he only said what the spirit was burning through him. And he only did what the spirit was burning through him. Did he become delicious? Scripture says there were throngs following him. That people were just grasping to touch his clothes. Now, people are like that with Justin Bieber right now. People are like that with different celebrities. Some of you are like that with Donald Trump. But can we be so possessed with Jesus Christ that people want to touch the accuracy of the deliciousness of God the Father exuding through our cells knowing there will be a transfer of heaven into their earth, that their lives will be dynamically transformed if I can only touch the heels of his Nikes. <laughs> then I'll be changed. And listen, you guys, 
you will step into these realms. You are growing into these realms. But there is such an overwhelming Psalms 23 reality, my cup overflows, that people will desire to come and drink off of you. What does the scripture say? Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come and drink. Why? It's delicious. We have the best thing to drink. Are people coming to just drink the atmosphere off of you? Yes, there is an increase. There's an increase of that in Minneapolis and Red Letter Ministries. But I'm looking at how delicious what's available. And I'm challenging my... We got a long ways to go, guys. We got to... And the enemy wants to suppress how delicious we are. But I'm telling you, this spreads fast. If, if news hits Whole Foods that a new chocolate bar came out that's out of this world, listen... You'll go to Whole Foods, you can't get a bar. It's sold out for weeks. You go online and it's sold out. You can't get it. Why? The news spread that something is delicious. That's called revival. It has to thrill the natural senses. We're still dealing with some of this denying of the natural senses. And of course, automatically elementary teaching, we deny sin. We deny the pleasures of sin but you indulge in the pleasures of the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, lust after spiritual things or gifts. Lust after them. Indulge in spiritual things. Teresa of Avila said, against spiritual feasting, there is no law. <laughs> against spiritual indulgence, gluttony, drunkard. What do they call them, guys? A drunkard and a glutton. The Pharisees, the anti-Christ religious people that were the sons and daughters of Satan, according to Jesus Christ in the Bible, called the Messiah a drunkard and a glutton. Why? Because he was indulging their natural senses in the deliciousness of God. And it was pulling them out of religious hell into the garden of delicious Eden. And it was changing culture. It's apostolic ministry. Apostolic means to change the natural realm. If you are currently changing culture, you are an apostolic Christian. And we're called to be an apostolic bride that totally terraforms, repristines, and makes the earth the most delicious place to live. Not just realms for rich people in their spas, but for everyone to live in heaven on earth see the wicked only has a limited amount because it's stolen that's why it's like you only have these incredible indulgences in the in certain areas if you've done so much in the realm of the natural usually through putting others down to get ahead which is the sin of murder which has been the only way to be promoted in Babylon the Great's business system kingdom of heaven is changing the earth's business system dramatically Righteousness will be promoted. Righteousness will be exalted. Righteousness will be rewarded. Wickedness will be demoted. Wickedness will be destroyed off the face of the earth. Enoch said for a far and remote off generation, for when all the wicked are to be removed. You need to understand wickedness is the influence of your senses by darkness. Your five senses. Are the kings killed? What do you do when your kings are killed? Five senses, five kings killed. Then you go to Jesus, the priest of the Melchizedek order, the high priest of Melchizedek's priesthood 
order of God the Father's throne in heaven. That's when you go to God and he glorifies those senses, didn't he? What did he do? He gave him physical wine and he gave him physical bread, representing the flesh and blood of Jesus. Where? Into his physical senses. You only deny yourself to indulge in himself. Where we've missed it is in the indulgence in our natural senses in the glory of God. The glory is the total indulgence of your five senses in heaven. So we deny ourselves hell, but then we deny ourselves heaven. So we're not delicious and so we have no harvest. And we do this to measures. It's not all or nothing here. Because there are aspects of ministries that are absolutely delicious. I'm just saying we need to be serving up much, much greater steak, much, much greater wine, much, much greater crystal clear water. Sometimes you get some water, like some Perrier cucumber, and it's like, oh my gosh, how could something be so delicious? When people are receiving your words, it needs to knock them back and be like, this is the most exciting, thrilling, wonderful thing I've ever physically experienced. See, the invasion of the gospel is related to the dogs of Jehu. It's the devouring of flesh. Jesus brings fire to devour flesh. Jesus walked with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and their hearts, their flesh, began to burn within them. It's finished in the spirit. Now let's work it in the natural. These were already disciples. These were men that loved and worshipped and believed in Jesus Christ. But there was still a tremendous amount of transformation and impartation needed into their hearts to accurately bring God the Father out of the invisible and make him visible in the natural realm. That's why their hearts burned with him as they walked with him along the way. So that the natural man could see and hear, taste, smell, and touch God through your flesh and blood without lust, without pride, just a pure, accurate representation of the invisible God called sons and daughters. Of these ones, he's not ashamed to call brothers and sisters. Why? They're delicious. <laughs> the joy of the Lord, the deliciousness, the excellence, and the ecstasy of Eden is pouring out of them through your pores pouring out of your eyes every action you do is intoxicating <laughs> your love is supremely intoxicating are we loving are we intoxicating their senses song of solomon 5 1 shaka shaka in hebrew says be drunk with love drink and be drunk with love and your love was supremely intoxicating song of solomon 5-1 in Psalms 23. Are we bringing people the most exhilarating experience with the glory of God through our spirit? I'm not talking about just getting into horseplay. I'm not talking about just having fancy lights and fancy churches. I'm not talking about using technology. Although there will be some of that added into the glory because the glory is in all consuming fire so it will use everything in the realm of the natural but at the core of the pleasure of the first love gate is the throne of God and the lamb 
See, it's about experiencing God physically. We came into the Holy Ghost. I remember the day I was born again, October 15th, 1999, my first day as a Christian. I'm sitting in the Teen Challenge Chapel, downtown Minneapolis, not listening, and I felt an egg yolk crack over my head. That was my first experience with God, was the hatching of a shell over my head. And I physically felt a crack over my head, and then scales, I felt scales physically fall off my eyes. I'm blinded, because everything suddenly, after the egg eggshell crack, cracked over my head, was so bright I couldn't open my eyes. Then tears started to stream down my face. It was all in the natural realm, people. Every single thing. And then I was paralyzed. Paral I couldn't move. And I'm crying, and, and I'm just stuck there. I can't move my arms. The glory of God came upon my flesh and cracked me like an egg. Four pastors came over to me when they saw that I was just completely getting undone, grabbed me by my hands and my feet, and carried me into a small office out of the chapel. And these four men began driving, driving demons out of me. And all these evil spirits started coming out of me. I'd been heavily involved in the occult for years. And as they were coming out, I was seeing the different visions of where the spirits had been through history. I saw in the ancient Mesopotamia, I saw wars, I saw the, the Mesopotamian hats. I mean, these were ancient spirits that were inside me that had found their home in my flesh. And as they came out, I saw visions of where they'd been. It was very interesting that the spirit showed me all that stuff. And as they cast out these spirits, this could have gone on for two hours. I felt what felt like 10,000 watts of electricity surging through me, and it felt like liquid lightning. That's the only way I could describe what I'm experiencing, October 15th, 1999. It felt like liquid lightning. My whole life just got completely transformed in one day. And I'm sitting there, the four pastors put me outside the office onto a couch by myself, and I hear the audible voice of God over my head as I'm simmering in what physically feels like 10,000 watts of electricity. And this voice said, I will make you more high than all the drug addicts, and I'll make them jealous of how high I get you. And I didn't know who it was speaking. I didn't understand anything about my only experience with Christianity up until that point had been going to Catholic school for seven years. I didn't grow up with any Christian influence except Catholic school. So this is all brand new to me. The day before this, I believed in evolution. The day before this, I believed there was no God. I believed that Jesus was totally fake and a fraud. I thought Christians were the dumbest people in the world. The next day, this happens to me. It was total sovereignty came upon me and just hatched my life into the glory realm by force. And I'm physically encountering all this stuff. And for about three months, they drove demons out of me. Every other day, up to two hours in the middle of the night. After that, they said um, the demons would take over my body and I'd be peeing and pooping all over the Teen Challenge place. They'd have to hold me down. They'd have pastors waiting outside my room when I went to sleep just to hold me down because I was so possessed, you guys. This was my first three months after I was a Christian. Deliverance didn't even start with me until I got hatched in the glory of God. 
And then after three months of continuous deliverance, I'm laying in this room. They wouldn't give me a roommate. Everyone else in the whole program had a roommate except me because of the deliverance sessions almost every night. And <laughs> I'm all by myself. But instead of the demons coming, the demons had gone. And the Spirit had filled my soul. And, but I hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. I hadn't operated in any of the gifts. I'd never heard of tongues before. I'd never heard a single person in my life speak in tongues. And as I'm laying there all alone, I felt these waves of peace start at the bottom of my feet. It felt like liquid peace. And it went up my legs, then through my belly, and out my, through my heart, and up my face. And I started praying in tongues. I'd never prayed in tongues, never heard of tongues before. I ran to the pastor, Brother Tribble, and I said, what is this? He says, that's the gift of tongues. It's a prayer language where you can pray in your spirit and talk to God and bypass your brain. And he says, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. So I started praying in tongues two hours a day, every day. And my faith elevated 10 times. Up until that point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was having doubts during my deliverance. The demons would come and tempt me and say, this is a cult. That's what they said. They said, this is a cult. They're lying to you. There's, this is a weird place. You need to get out of here. That's what the demons were saying for three months of deliverance, even as they're being cast out. Because the spirit and the angels were warring against the demons, and the demons were warring back with lies because they wanted back into my soul. So even up to the point for three months of deliverance with all these signs, miracles, and wonders, hearing the voice of God, that the scales falling off my eyes, because I didn't have the seal of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there were still doubts in my mind and enemies whispering into my soul to pull me back into darkness. And I was still vulnerable. I tell you what, after I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I was not vulnerable. Spirits of depression tried to land on my head, bring me back into manic depression. I was suicidal before being born again. I, the pastors say, all you gotta do is read Psalms out loud. I read out loud. I could feel the demon burning off my head. I've never been tempted by a spirit of depression ever since. It was permanent breakthrough, eternal breakthrough, simply by reading the Psalms out loud. I started to see how the spirit and the word worked against the kingdom of hell and how the kingdom of hell had used every lie they had to try to keep me in darkness. And keep me out of the light. After being baptized in the Holy Spirit, my faith elevated tenfold. I knew this was real. We'd counted the cost, and we were going to war. Did 22 months at Teen Challenge. Court ordered. They dropped all my charges. I had drug charges. I had violent charges. I was court ordered there. Every single charge was dropped. I had a clean record upon leaving. They gave me a full ride scholarship to Bible college. And I shared my testimony in over 200 churches in 2000 and 2001 all over the Midwest. They did videos of my testimony and sold them all over the country because it was so radical. And so I had already had experience on the stage, had experience in media, had experience with camcorders, had all this experience was being documented, a file this thick at Teen Challenge, they said. And so it was training even during those times. And we even had pastors come from the Toronto Blessing. You know, I'm just on fire for God, you guys. This is revival, revival around me. Men are getting healed of AIDS, cancer, hepatitis, incurable diseases. We're in full-blown revival at Minnesota Teen Challenge. This is true. 
in 2000 2001 we had pastors come in been fa fasting for two weeks the physical manifest glory cloud would fill the place people would pop like popcorn and demon possession sovereignly go through deliverance we had i saw 100 people get demons cast out of them in three days during a revival meeting that we had at teen challenge we were in revival this was some fire this was some awesome power this is what we lived in this is the first two years of me as a christian i grew up was born and raised in full-blown revival seeing miracles signs and wonders almost every day we had someone come down from toronto lay hands on everyone not a single person slayed 45 men i counted them i was the only one that went down when they prayed for me drunk in the spirit for 45 minutes laughing uncontrollably with unknown tongues in the year 2000. no one had ever taught on the drunkenness this is my first experience in the drunken glory was in the year 2000. they'd already say you don't need to smoke weed you just need to smoke a big bowl of jehovah wana because a lot of the leaders had come out of the jesus people movement and that's something that lonnie frisbee taught toke the ghost hippies in the 60s getting born again trading their marijuana for Jehovah Wana, and that was something that was already ingrained in the leaders. This isn't something I originated. This was the culture of the Jesus people that was burned into me from the leaders at Teen Challenge that had known Lonnie Frisbee and were a part of the Jesus people movement in Minneapolis that was right down here, downtown. They still got the Love Power Rainbow sign on the building every time you go down 35W. That was the Jesus People Church, the Lonnie Frisbee Church in Minneapolis. Catherine Kuman preached there. <laughs> and, and so you had all these people experiencing God like physical drugs and I'm drunk there on the ground and only one getting touched and but there was no discipleship in it no one ever taught on these things they allowed it they knew it was God the leaders knew it was God they, no one tried to stop me from laughing uncontrollably for 45 minutes there was, except this one other guy that was in the program it was real demon possessed. He tried to pull me off the ground, get me to stop laughing. I just, I knew it was a demon. Get away from me, man. God's not done working. I mean, this feels so good. <laughs> Laying there, speaking in tongues, drunk, laughing on the ground. God told me then, he said, lay hands on your belly. He started teaching me God inside mindedness, even though there wasn't a single man in the entire denomination that understood it. Just literally discipled by Christ out of the gate through experiences that no one else was having there wasn't anyone else in the whole program getting drunk in the spirit i had a physical glory cloud come into my room for seven days and remain you couldn't see 10 feet into the other side of the room this was in the year 2000. one of the first books they gave me was good morning holy spirit by benny hinn that's why i couldn't understand when people started attacking benny hinn because it was like I started reading that book out loud and the physical glory cloud materialized in my room for seven days. I'll never speak a negative thing against another minister. Even if half their ministry is total garbage, the Holy Ghost can use. Remember, the weaker you are, the stronger he is. What's all this stuff about being strong in yourself? False Christianity. It's good that if people have problems, it's probably they have more anointing to deal with them. It's wonderful. <laughs> pastors come into this room and they fall right on their face just laid out in the glory cloud couldn't even see the other side of the room only six months old in the Lord these were all the foundations of my Christianity and in the future I'd need him because you'd be tested in every single stone ever laid inside your heart 
to go back into Satan to let lust pick you off with a hundred girls throwing themselves at you, to let pride pick you off to get into some people-pleasing religious ministry, to sell out to Satan at any level of existence. And so God allowed me to have all these experiences so I'd have all his foundations to build really, really high. And I'm so thankful for it. They gave me a full-ride scholarship to, t uh, to North Central University Bible College after that. I left straight from the intern rooms into the Bible College dorms. And honestly, it was shell shock. They paired me up and gave me a roommate that was an active practicing homosexual. And he started manifesting and vibrating on the bunk bed above me the first week that we're in the dorms. And the demon spoke out in guttural language out of him and says, we don't want to leave. We don't want to leave. I said, I cast that out of you right now. I came out of Teen Challenge where we'd have 100 men go have demons cast out of them. I was so used to dealing with demon possession in the revival that this was nothing to me. But no one in the whole Bible college had ever even seen anything like this. I didn't realize that I'd come out of extreme revival. <laughs> and so all of that energy and power is just exuding from me. It's making my roommate manifest. Well... I said, do you want it out? And he said, no, no, this is my identity. Brought the thing right to the surface. Could have been delivered, could have been filled with the glory of God. I watched in my horror, someone reject deliverance. I had never seen that before. So I said, maybe this is what we're getting into. Maybe this was what Christianity outside of my little revival bubble is actually like. And it was way worse than that, people. That guy ended up getting kicked out of school for practicing homosexuality because it's AG Bible College. I mean, you know, you can't do that. You have Christian rules. And he ended up leading a whole gay parade through the streets in front of the college protesting against the Christian rules in our university. My roommate, because I brought the demon to the surface. Crazy stuff. We'd be walking down the halls. Guys would be jerking off to pornography, sneaking out, drinking alcohol. It's like they'd freshly left their parents nest and have never done anything rebellious in their life and it was like now it's college now mommy and daddy aren't around now I can get away with anything and I had already got that out of my system in high school when I was a, a non-christian and these most of the youth the majority were just beginning to experience rebellion and so it was just all around me and I said oh my god the temptation there's 22 of us that came from Teen Challenge into Bible College every single one of them went back into drugs worse than before I was the only one that made it the first year so all my friends are gone picked off destroyed and I'm there I'm just I have nothing else to go back to <laughs> I, I just kept going and you know it was dark night of the soul the darkness had came in and had tempted everyone in every area of their life to go back into darkness and just the same they did me as they did them I had different foundations they did not have those foundations in them that I had through the experiences my first 22 months and so not a single one of them made it most of them are still completely compromised to this day that was 20, 20 years ago so it really goes that to lay, it goes to say to lay your foundations is the most important thing to building high. Otherwise, you'll just topple. And so the reason why this ministry is so intense with the most important things is because you won't make it otherwise. You will not be successful as a Christian unless your foundation stones are laid, unless the discipline in your heart 
is nothing less than the throne of God and the experience of that throne burning in your heart. We want to be able to stand in the day of the Lord. My experience has been very few can stand. Being in ministry, full-time ministry for 15 years, I've watched leader after leader fall. Leader after leader. Hero after hero. Literally every single minister that I at one time looked up to. Divorce, moral failure, um, drug addiction, alcohol problems. And this is common. The reason why those things come out is because the foundation was imperfected after they were converted. A lot of them needed deliverance. A lot of you need deliverance, but you didn't get it when you were born again and you still need it. And so there are things in your foundation and in your root system that are not perfected. And that's why when the higher things of God and the glory of God comes upon you, part of your life breaks and falls over because you are not raised properly. That's been my experience, that people don't have the correct foundation and youth and experience as a child of God to become spiritually mature. And so we got all these things that fill in the person that aren't God. So they'll stand around the sons of God, but they themselves don't have the same foundations and the same building of the sons of God. Outwardly, honestly, you can't really tell the difference most of the time. The undiscerning eye can't really tell what's in the heart, what's in the roots. But when the storms come, when the pressure of the enemy comes, when the demon comes, you can tell. You can only tell under pressure. And the pressure system of the kingdom of hell comes upon people all the time and just reveals what's inside you. Let it not shock you. God is going back into your foundations. He's going into the internal building and correcting it. He's a wise master builder. And don't be embarrassed by half your life getting corrected. Sometimes the whole thing needs to be just bulldozed and started over. At least the Spirit of God is now building. We want what God builds. What does the scripture say? Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. These are very crucial, important things to be burned inside of us. Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ, we want the perfection of heaven as our foundations. We want the Spirit of God to build upon our roots. I won't put anything in there. Why? Because it's not going to last the storm. It'll embarrass you in the future. Even if 10,000 fall by your side, it will not cause you to fall. Why? That person relies on God exclusively in their inner man. How do you not fall? The Spirit built. He's the only one that's not fallen. Do you understand that? The five kings fell. Then you have Sodom and Salem right next to each other. The king of heaven and the king of hell meeting you. You bring your five senses to each king each day. And you choose who you allow to build inside of you. Not building outside of you. Build inside of you. And we often choose wrong. We might choose our 15-minute devotional when we wake up in the morning. We go to the king of Salem. 
We want to start off on the right foot. A couple verses, a little sermon, a little revelation, a little new wine, a little fellowship, practice the presence of God. Throughout your day, each king is waiting for you. You know that's right. Your five senses are constantly choosing the king of heaven or the king of hell to a build, to build, to build inside of you. They're building in you. They're changing you. The reason why metamorphosis never happens to almost all Christians who have ever born again is because they don't allow the building of the king of Salem inside their souls. Not very much. Not to the place of becoming delicious. To the place of becoming a treasure house. People say, oh, to get born again means to deny yourself. And it's not to become rich. It's to take a vow, a vow of poverty. That's not in the Bible. To be born again <clears throat> is to become rich. Oh, here we go with the prosperity. No, the riches in glory. <laughs> the 24 karat mountains of gold of the Garden of Eden. He's not going to fuel your idolatry. He'll deny idolatry. He will increase himself inside of you and he will share the quality of his life to the measure you can be refined of your pride the father's greatest joy is to give you the kingdom what does he say it is my good pleasure to give you the dominion of the king to give you the riches of glory to give you the secrets of the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven and for you to begin to value that in your inner man as the building blocks of life. That spirit is God himself. If you allow him to build, he will build you up in your heart and in your mind. And he will so easily, with a flick of his finger, move the natural realm. Our problem is we try to move the natural realm without moving our own hearts. That's idolatry that each one of us still practices to a measure. That you try to change the external without changing yourself is idolatry. The only challenge is to change yourself. To bring more of you into the wise master builder, to the king of Salem, and to let his bread and wine into your five senses, into your gates, into your inner man, and let heaven build you up inside. Isn't it interesting? Abraham didn't ask for Salem. Whoa, I thought I'm now a Christian. Give me the whole city. Didn't get the city. Move on. Next. We're like, give me the city. I want the throne. And they were all like, I'm a king. I'm a queen. Abraham didn't even claim that. Met with Melchizedek. All he did was take his wine and take his bread. Gave him millions of dollars. Millions. He had just conquered five kings. He gave a tithe to Melchizedek. What did he get in return? Deliciousness. He got to taste the eternal realm of heaven. And it went right into his blood. He deemed the importance of the impartation into his spirit as the blueprints of the kingdom of heaven more important than the natural realm. That's why he's the father of faith. Those who value the blueprint of the city. Listen, not asking for the city. I have rights to the city. I'm a Christian. You don't have rights. 
The spirit has rights. The spirit will share his rights with you as you grow in humility. As you grow in absolute surrender and yielding to a realm of a God you don't deserve. It's called grace, meaning getting what you don't deserve. So you grow in grace. You grow in getting what you don't deserve. How do you increase your measures of grace? By valuing the seed that you first received from Melchizedek. See? It's the seed form that comes in. Abraham received the seed of the city of Salem. And it was done before it started. Because it came in seed form. He didn't, have, he didn't see any of the promises fulfilled. An inheritance like the stars of the heavens and the sand of the seashore. Didn't see any of it. But died in faith. And it was accredited to him as righteousness. Why? The value of the seed that was planted in the inner man. Never got discouraged when the external realm said, That's a lie. God will not fulfill his promises. You got ripped off. You gave five million into Melchizedek's ministry. What would you get in return? You just lost all that money. He didn't even give you his throne. He didn't even give you a position on his board of elders in the city of Salem. You got ripped off, Abraham. I mean, reality stuff. And you know these demons were tempting him with these kinds of thoughts, just like they tempt you every day. Same exact temptations of the liar in the garden. <laughs> what you're going to get is the blueprint in seed form. And if you begin to value it, you will grow in the humility. Then he'll share his city with you. It's only through the maturation of your faith that the kingdom of heaven is shared with you. You're tested. Because these are the infinite riches of God the Father that have sovereignty over all dimensions, including the realm of the natural. And God loves to share His dominion over the realm of the natural with those who have valued His Word. Those who bear His fruit. And what's the Father's test? Fruit that lasts. Fruit that lasts. You've lasted a month. You've lasted six months. You've feasted at the table of Melchizedek. Can you bear fruit that lasts? Are you in it for the long run? What else are we going to do? That's what the disciples said. There's nothing else to do on this planet except follow you, Lord Jesus. You alone have the words of truth. How many of y'all know that Jesus is only inside flesh and most accurately inside apostles? And people are following Jezebel because they don't want to follow men and women. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. How far from accurate kingdom Christianity have we strayed because of fallen angel re rebellion influencing Christians, especially in America? The independence is insane. We need to be one body. And scripture says the head of the body is the apostles and prophets. You see the rebellion towards the apostles and prophets as the rebellion towards red letter ministries is the highest rebellion in America you could ever imagine. These people don't submit to the head that is Christ. Only in theory, not in reality. How will they? We need to get more delicious. And it will only offend the religious spirits in them. But God will raise out of these rocks new children for Abraham. What's the rocks? Brains. The stone the builder rejected. The brain the builder rejected. Why? Because the mind of Christ don't work in Babylon. The mind of Christ can't be built in the Roman kingdom. You can't use that stone in Satan's kingdoms through the ages. That stone only works in the kingdom of heaven. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief and cornerstone. 
It's your brain on Jesus Christ. The mind of Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He will build in you and use you as a living stone of his kingdom. As long as you're not a doer of your own thing. As long as you're not opinionated. As long as you don't have a doctrine for everything that ain't from God. Just a dead letter that kills. As long as you can stay clay in the potter's hand. God can use you in his kingdom. And you'll be real Christians. And you'll live in the real glory. And you'll be really rewarded. And you'll be really overjoyed with happiness. He's building one city. The New Jerusalem. And this is an invisible city. This is Salem times 10 million and it's a real spiritual city and it's a city that your brains have citizenship in and the Bible says that the angels can read on your forehead when you're a citizen of that city I will write the new Jerusalem on their foreheads Revelation says that's angelic wisdom meaning your citizenship of what realm your rock and your stone is a member of building what city in the realm of the spirit is written on your brains right now. You can't fool a single angel. And someone that's got angelic vision called a seer prophet, anyone that sees anything at all can see if you're real or fake right now by the name of the city written on your head. Some of you have the name of Egypt written on your head. Some of you have the name of Sodom written on your head. Some of you have the name of New Jerusalem written on your forehead. It's true. Any city written on, you could have the city of Minneapolis written on your forehead. Sodom and Egypt. You could have the city of London, the city of Moscow, you could have the city of Beijing written on your forehead. Sodom and Egypt. Where our Lord was crucified, place of the skull. You are only legally allowed to have the name of the New Jerusalem written on your forehead to be the sons and daughters of God. That means that all the building of your life has been from feasting on Melchizedek into your inner man. And there's nothing false about you. What did Jesus say about Nathaniel? An Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. They could tell that the inner building could handle what Jesus Christ, the apostle, could impart into him. Faithful. The inner man faithful and true. Pressure tests. You have buildings that will go through tests. They call it code. And so you want to test the foundations of a building. They'll have people come into your building while you're building to make sure the foundation will stand in a tornado. The foundation will stand in an earthquake. And so there's pressure tests on building. The fire of God is pressure testing everything you have built inside your heart. And that is the greatest service you could ever have your entire life. Even the suffering of total loss by allowing the testing of your works by fire is wisdom. We want the fire to test our works every day, lest we be found laboring in vain. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine living your life as a pastor? 40 years laboring in vain. You die and go to heaven. It's like you have no rewards. All that suffering was vanity? I don't think so. That's not going to happen. We want the fire test now. Test every heart at the sound of my voice so that there be no laboring in vain. No opinions, no ideas, nothing in us false from Satan. No matter how convenient it is, we, we want it out. See, Satan brings you that microwave convenience. Jesus is building an eternal house in your inner man, a mansion that the eternal everlasting God can live in your soul. That's why it's so thorough. That's why it's so costly. 
That's why it's so painful. Because we have all the temporal garbage in our minds that Jesus wants to burn out with fire. I make my ministers flames of fire. I make them mansions of the everlasting God that what possesses them can pass every test so that you're in the eternal realm while your soul is transferring it into the natural realm. Consuming time. That's why it's called the last days because time is running out because the eternal is possessing all the temporal wood, hay, and stubble of your soul getting burnt out. You realize this soul has the capabilities of being possessed with eternity. That you change time, that you're the masters of time according to how much you've allowed the fire to test your works, according to how much of the building of your inner man is you and your ideas of what's good versus the Holy Spirit and His ideas of what's good. Can you trust the Holy Spirit more? Can you trust the Holy Spirit to do some demolition work? And can you trust Him to rebuild inside your soul something that will pass the pressure tests of Satan. What did Jesus Christ say to Peter? Satan has chosen to test you, Peter. He has targeted you. What an honor. Oh, I'm, I have such a calling on my life. That's when you get targeted. Some of you are targeted right now. Some of you have been targeted by Satan for destruction. How are you going to pass your Satan tests when all hell breaks loose in the realm of the natural and you don't want to look bad in front of others because you're already leaders? Every leader goes through this. Every single one of you is a leader. Every single one of this tribe is a called to be a leader of hundreds and a leader of thousands. It's true. We only have discipled leaders for 15 years and no one else. You allow yourself to pass those pressure tests. You allow yourself to suffer loss. You allow yourself to receive the fire, to test you, to test your mind, to expose your inadequacy, to make you look weaker so that he and his fire can be stronger. Those failures are completely necessary in, in order to be immortalized in your soul with God's strength. The Father is so strong it's spooky scary. Honestly, people freak out all the time about what the Father actually is as a being. The Father is insanely powerful. It's beyond comprehension. And He's all fire and He's all light. And there's just nothing weak about Him at all. Really, it has to be in a gradual increase in the heart and the blood. Otherwise, you'll physically die. Do you understand that? The reason why He gradually turns up His light and His glory inside your heart as he builds inside you is because you can't handle the full brightness of his power. That's why it's called an ever-increasing glory and not all the glory at once. 2 Corinthians 3.18 <laughs> Because if it was all the glory at once, your spirit would pop out of your body and you'd never return to it because your body just died. <laughs> so thanks be to God, he is so perfect in growing us that he gives us the exact measure that we can receive and handle every day. And if you reject feasting from his table and you go to Sodom for a week or two weeks, which all of us have done hundreds of times, righteous man falls seven times, what's the falling? You went to the king of Sodom, 
for bread and wine instead of the king of Salem for bread and wine. That day, that week, that month, everyone's done it. After you're born again, you always backslide. You can't say, oh, I was perfect after I... Man, you got into some religion. You went to the king of Sodom right away. Listen, that's normal. You learn through eating and drinking in your natural senses what's delicious, what's not. You become a taste tester. Taste and see that the Lord is good and Satan is bad. And you learn his dishes. You learn his culinary arts. You learn his magic. You learn what the devil uses. We are not unaware of Satan's schemes, Scripture says, that we know the strategies of the evil one so we can distinguish good from evil. Having our senses exercised, being able to rightly divide the word of truth, you can exercise wisdom to know every single counterfeit of Satan to every real deal of the Holy Ghost. And that's maturity. What's maturity? You only eat off of Melchizedek's table all day, every day. And when the immature ones around you are eating off of Sodom's table, because the devil is exceedingly cunning and tricky, that even the elite could be led astray, Jude says. Oh my gosh, you're telling me apostles and prophets get tempted by diabolical genius and are led astray? Show me one that hasn't non-existent thing every single one is led astray at some point in their ministry and some point in their leadership there's no such thing as perfect leadership look at moses he's killed an egyptian i mean my god the apostolic the prophetic training is incredible the failures on the public stage are so necessary for your breaking and your humbling it's wonderful thank you father and grace abounds you'll lose religious people you'll lose accusers over the years as you continue to grow weaker and weaker in the self-nature stronger and stronger in the reliance on the fire burning in the bush <laughs> until only he remains in the image bearing of god is complete in your soul through suffering in this life and denying the king of sodom's table and the feasting of the king of salem's and your soul will be so enriched your spirit be so built up you be so encouraged every day. Then you are the light of the world. Then you are the accurate depiction of the invisible God, the outraying brilliance of the light being. Then you are the sons and daughters of God. Before that, there's prodigal activity. The wine of the prodigal. Ephesians 3.18 says the wine of the prodigal or be inebriated on God's Holy Spirit. That's what it says in the Greek. The wine of the prodigal. Do not drink the wine of the prodigal. Do not drink the wine of Sodom. Do not drink the wine of wickedness. You're offered every day substances, spirits, words, ideas, thoughts, cares of this world to come into your inner man and destroy, destroy the building of the Holy Spirit. Loose! You got to burn it out. <laughs> in Jesus' name, we're confronting everything inside you right now. Because it's going to get real for you. What do you want to build in your life? Will you let god's demolition team into your heart behold i stand at the door and knock there is garbage there is old concrete old foundations getting removed we've had several prophetic confirmations today dreams last night that even the remodeling in our garage and the old concrete coming out there's a huge garbage dumpster in a, a woman who's been in our ministry for a very long time in her dream last night of removing all the old in a big dumpster God's doing it prophetically. In reality, in many of your foundations right now, a lot of you still have foundations of broken old concrete of religion in you. 
and that's why you're miserable. That's why the king of Sodom is still beating you up, lying to your heads, because that foundation came from Sodom, where our Lord was crucified. It's the kingdom of hell still in you that needs to be broken up and removed and thrown into the dumpster for the new foundation to be laid in your bellies, right in your spirit. And from your spirit, it will grow up right up through your heart. And God will build his kingdom inside you. Let the demo team in. Demolish everything. I pray if you want to just close your eyes and just say, Father, I receive your demolition team into my heart. Lord Jesus, demolish everything in my foundation that's not you. Areas where I've let the enemy build by eating off the enemy's table. Forgive me. I don't want hell to be inside my heart, my mind, my soul, or my bones. I don't want to perpetuate sin to my children or to my families and to my neighbors. I want to deal with it in me and practice the glory. I want the kingdom of heaven. I pray every single one of you get real with that tonight that your foundations get secure. And what is the stone we build upon? Christ in you, the realization of the glory. Colossians 1.27. That is our concrete. That is our foundation. Let it be laid in you. Any area where there's anything else, there are angels here with fire, demolition teams, and there are dumpsters to begin to remove stuff out of your bowels out of your bellies, out of your hearts, out of your bodies, out of your flesh and blood that was never meant to be inside you. Let it be burned out today. You'll feel cleaner. Your eyes will be brighter. Your ears will be more vigilant, hearing what God's saying, more alive. You won't tolerate eating off of Satan's table. Those words won't be spoken into your head anymore because you've got all the rottenness out of your soul, out. You'll find the enemy won't tempt you in those areas anymore where you're perfectly healed. How could he? He'd just be wasting his time. There's other suckers out there that will listen to him. You're not one of them anymore because you let Jesus deal with your inner man. Foundations and all the building of the wise master builder of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being patient to build in us. May we soften our hearts to let you work in us. Whatever you want to do in our inner man, you are our creator and we are your creation. We do not give you advice. You give it to us. What can the creature say to the creator? Why did you make me this way? Job says, are we still in our Job story of wrestling with God? I pray that our hip is broken tonight in our commitment to the angel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we finally let Jesus build what he wants to build in our foundations, in our interior castles, in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless you guys. We love you so much. Bless you for your financial giving into this ministry. God bless you a thousandfold after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. We will see you tomorrow. Glory.